Hey guys, it's Charles. Are you a lazy millennial like me who doesn't have the time, energy, or work ethic to actually read a book? If so, you're in luck. Head over to audibletrial.com slash settingedge. That's audibletrial.com slash settingedge to get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash settingedge. Reading is for chumps. Welcome to episode 50 of the Setting the Edge podcast. I'm going to stumble over myself already. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can find Charles on Twitter at 4 Um I, uh, I'm sad that there have been divisive uh, statements about our podcast. And I want to bring the unity to it. Yes, very, very decisive statements in the NFL podcast <laughs> world right now. And we just need unity. So we're going to bring you unity. We're going to cut the divisive. Divi- oh, <laughs> the divisive this, wait, that's, that's Buddy Ryan. Buddy Ryan, walk it up. <laughs> we're going to cut the divisive crap today. Uh, fo- focus on team unity. So we're, we're going to start off bre- breaking down uh, these week three games that happened. A lot happened in uh, week three and just really around the country involving the NFL this past weekend. But. We're gonna stick. We're gonna keep it uh, unifying here, and just just stick to football for a few minutes here until we obviously get sidetracked. So, let's start off with the 49ers Rams game, which feels like months ago. Uh, this past Thursday, the Rams tried their best to lose, even though they were clearly the better team uh, in that game. They, I mean, I, I think I don't think the final score is indicative of how close it really was because they had two fumbles on. Like two muffed punts, or it was either a muffed punt and a muffed kick return. So that set San Francisco up in enemy territory, like I think within the red zone both times. So I don't think 41 and 39 is indicative of how close those teams are talent wise, but it was still a fun game to watch nonetheless. So you're saying the two point Rams win on a two and a half point line. That that's a bet that I, we should be making again. That we had a right call on that one, or I had a right call. You were on God the right damn. side. American you got, Boyer story. You were on the right American side. American Boyer you just got story by uh, by special teams fumbles. The the worst. And I wrote I wrote a piece on uh, setting the edge about like the a hypothetical fourth down that would have happened basically because the Rams would have been in like the most interesting position um, that I can imagine in terms of what you do late in games. Basically, they had the ball. On like the 30, it was like at the 31 or something uh, on what well, was third and 10 with less than a minute to go. So you, you can't run out the clock. But I guess the question just ends up being, do you extend the lead to beyond a field goal or do you punt it? There were people in my mentions saying to go for it. Um, but I looked into it and basically the NFL, it's happened like five times in like the last nine years or something like that, like that exact situation. Um, and uh I don't know. It was just a weird thing. Like, I, as a coach, as someone who used to coach, uh, I don't know what the hell I would have done in that situation. But then uh, Todd Gurley just ran and broke my heart. So that happened. American Hoyer story just ends everything. Yeah, I, I think we need to talk about Sean McVay possibly being the second coming of Jesus Christ. And you know what? Another thing that we're going to that we can touch on uh, as we kind of move through, move through these games is, you know, even though like I said, the 49ers, they're not really close to the 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 Rams in terms of talent wise, with McVay and, and Kyle hey, Shanahan, uh, the Rams I, gave up like thirty nine yeah, points. <laughs> yeah, they, they did, but you know they had those two short 
those two short fields off of Tavon Austin, who is relegated to wide receiver four in special team status, even though he's making just as much money as Julio Jones and AJ Green this year. Uh, <laughs> that's another story for another his, day. His cap, his cap hit is as much is I think his cap hit is higher than Tom Brady's. Yeah, it, so. which is and he he barely sees the field now, uh, which is crazy. But you know, with the way the Seahawks have been looking, and I think the way that you know at, at least the 49ers, they they clearly look more competitive than last year. In the Rams have been kind of one of the aberrations of the NFL. There's there's kind of like a, a little bit of a changing of the guard here in the in the NFC West, which has just been a brutal division throughout three weeks of the season. But let, we'll we'll touch on that later. Let's move on to whatever the hell happened in London on Sunday, where the Jaguars just beat the hell out of the Ravens, forty four to seven. It was forty four to nothing at one point until Ryan Mallett came in and. Uh, through a garbage time touchdown. Joe Flacco was 8 for 18, 28 yards, two picks, got sacked two times for minus 12 yards. So I, I haven't done the calculations on that, uh, but I am guarantee you his uh, AN, ANYA is negative and like significantly negative. Bortles uh, had the game of his career pretty much, 20 for 31, 244, four touchdowns, zero picks. And he actually played pretty well, which is kind of weird because the Ravens' pass defense has been a beast so far. Yeah, uh, that was super not what we were expecting. I mean, we basically said that, you know, the only way that the Ravens didn't cover three and a half was if Joe Flacco made some mistakes, and obviously he did. Um, but the Ravens' defense got torn up, too. I mean, Baltimore's first five plays on off or first ten plays on offense, right? And the, Tony Romo was talking about a 20-play script in uh, Cincinnati Green Bay and things like that. I don't know how how— I don't know how large scripts are for teams. I bet that varies a bunch between probably 10 and 20. But um, Baltimore's first 10 plays were for a gain of four, zero yards, negative five, five, three, zero, zero, negative one, negative seven, and an interception. Okay. So it's pretty, you know, nothing really disastrous other than that interception, but nothing that gained more than five yards either. Um, By play 11, uh, Joe, by play 11 uh the baltimore ravens were down 20 points so like they're just getting the shit beat out of them on both sides of the ball yeah so we're gonna have to keep a track on that and see if the are the jaguars for real or if that was just kind of the ravens first time in london and the jaguars are kind of experts there and they just... ray lewis got weekend at bernie's like there was a lot of stuff going on yeah ray lewis with the double kneel on the on the <laughs> during the anthem he looked I, he looked faded like he had been drinking before the game started. He, he just looked disheveled, generally disheveled. It's a long plane ride, man. Long plane ride. <laughs> His glasses were crooked. He was leaning on C.J. Mosley and Mike Wallace. And if you look at this is the one still where C.J. Mosley is like kind of looking at Mike Wallace like, yo, this dude reeks of liquor. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, man, I feel like I feel, we can get we can get down to this. We can ask some people. Uh, Ray Lewis was drinking and didn't know how to convert time and was like, what do you mean I have to be on air in two hours? Yeah, he looked he looked awful, but uh, <laughs> not not nearly as bad as the Ravens offense did. Once again, Joe Flacco, the Ravens did extend him uh, not too long ago for, I think, well, yeah, they're going to have to Osweiler him or something because he's, he's there for the next two years. Yeah, he, he, he's just, he's not any good. 28 yards, two picks, two sacks for 12 yards. It, that's awful, but let's, let's get into these... Uh, you know, domestic games, the games that were in London. So we'll start off with the Denver uh, Broncos at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills won 26 to 16. They kind of got hosed at the end with that fake where Von Miller uh, 
hit Tyrod Taylor and then fake tried to help him up and then they were both right. laughing but the the ref threw a 15 yard flag which extended Buffalo's drive and got them up by 10 and then by by that point the game was out of reach but Buffalo is they're they're like a few plays away from being 3 and 0 in a rebuilding year. I, that team is really weird right now. Yeah, and we were huge into them this this offseason. Um preseason whatever you want to say before they started, you know, just trading just losing draft value on guys, turning uh, two top 20 picks into a second-round pick with the Sammy Watkins trade, and then turning a second-round pick into a fifth-round pick, I want to say, with that linebacker from uh, Alabama. I forget his name already. Reggie Raglan, um, my guy. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is a very good, talented team. I mean, the Buffalo Bills basically – if you're – I was doing this thing this morning I said in the group chat where um, basically weighted, uh, weighted adjustment for uh, what we do with the close games thing – and just counting basically like an eighth of an influence for every game that has been played. Uh, the, the Buffalo Bills are probably, you know, when you look at that, the Buffalo Bills are probably a top five team in the NFL just based on what they did last year and what they did this year. Um, they obviously, look, they look uh, better than New England right now. <laughs> they certainly do. Uh, you know, level of competition certainly uh, needs to uh, come into effect when you look at the fact that they played like the New York Jets and stuff early on. Um, but, I mean, this, this team is legitimately good. I think it should scare people. Uh, Denver, like we said, I mean, everyone thought Denver was unstoppable coming into this game because they played back-to-back home games. Uh, since 1990, the, the uh, Denver Broncos are like 29-3, and three, something like that. I know they've lost three games at home in the first two weeks of the year since 1990. It's just impossible to play at that elevation uh, if you're a visiting team that early on when you're trying to get your shit figured out. So like those, those two games, you kind of – like just write them off, honestly. Like if your team plays in, against Denver early on in the year, you that's that's one that you've lost. Like it's almost automatic to this point. Um, an that's, pretty, that's pretty much all I got. Yeah, an interesting line moving into Week Four is the Buffalo Bills are traveling to Atlanta to play the Falcons, and right now I see the Falcons as eight point favorites against the Bills, mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. which does not make much sense. Nope, I, I see it in my future. We can we can get that to. You can tease it to 14 and lose on the Patriots. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right, next game. The Steelers went to Chicago and predictably laid an egg on the road, and they lost in overtime. 23-17. Jordan Howard uh, has a little bounce-back game, 138 yards. He had the game-winning touchdown in overtime. Tariq Cohen continues to make big plays for that Bears team. And once again, it looks like your, cont- your vendetta against Le'Veon Bell survives another week. <laughs> I, I'm I'm googling Mike Glennon stats and Le'Veon Bell stats right now. Oh man, damn it! Yeah, Mike, okay. They, the, the Bears somehow won that game with Mike Glennon throwing for 101 yards and 22 attempts. Yeah, and unfortunately, that Le'Veon Bell has a few more yards than Mike Glennon's 101 in that game. But uh, yeah, but, I mean Le'Veon Bell's high high right now is uh, 4.1 yards per carry in a game this year. Congratulations, but my uh, in a franchise tag year. Um, but yeah, I mean uh, the uh, the I don't know. Terry Cohen's like dominating right now. There's isn't he? He's leading the team in uh, rushing yards and receiving yards. So that's fairly significant. That's not great for the uh, Midwest uh, Pittsburgh not Paris Steelers. Yeah, and we always talk about these guys that are going to be Darren Sproles clones, but I think the Bears might have actually found theirs, and he, yeah. he's legi- well, he's legitimately like carrying a, a big chunk of that offense right now. Yeah, one time for Emory Hunt because he told us that, and no one really listened to him because we're morons. Yeah, also NCANT. So, we're in, 
Yeah. <laughs> also, also five six. So. Yeah, he's he's five six, but he's like pushing like one eighty five. So that's not that's not like a a frail dude, you know. If you say so, I mean that's just this middle school size, but. I mean, I'm about five six one eighty. You were one eighty five at five six. Yeah, possible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ruling it out. I can't say for sure. There's good people on both sides. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Stay in the MC North. The Falcons went to uh, Detroit and they won thirty to twenty six, despite trying their hardest to lose that game. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just I don't know what to do with this game because like the only the only bad interception I thought that was like on Matt Ryan was that pick six to Glover Quinn, which was just an atrocious throw over the middle. But you got Tevin Coleman drop a pass that got picked off. Mohamed Sanu dropped the dime that got picked off. I, I still think that the Falcons are a lot more talented than the Lions, but they just kind of shot themselves in the foot. And it, it was, it was a weird game. Like when you, when you go back and look at the stats, because like when you look at the time of possession and total yards, Atlanta dominated in that category. But then you look at the turnovers and they had three to Detroit zero. And that's kind of where you saw the game get close. Matthew Stafford continue his little dink and dunk charade, 25 completions, 40, <laughs> 45 attempts for 264 yards, Get him. 5.9 yards, uh, per attempt, which is nothing. I mean, you look on the other side, Matt Ryan at 8.4 yards per attempt. They're still putting that offense on training wheels, and it's really hard to compete against an offense like the Falcons when you are trying to just dink and dunk down the field. And without that pick six by Glover Quinn, that's a multi-score win for the Falcons. And I, I, I still just don't see this Detroit offense scaring anybody. Yeah, right now, I mean, in the numbers that we're using, I think the – uh the Detroit Lions are like tied for first with the Bills and the Chiefs in that they have one close game and uh, two wins of more than or of eight or more points, right? Um, but if you look at the Lions, I'm not. I mean, their defense is better than I thought it was going to be. Um, but I'm not really scared of that offense still. I mean, like you said, Matt Stafford's basically had one half this year, and when he's been an aggressive quarterback, and other than that, uh, it's been a lot, whole lot of dinking duck stuff. Which I know Detroit fans, I know it's an extension of the run game. I'm. I'm I understand. I promise you. I understand that dink and dunk passes on first down are to get yards, not to get first downs. Um, how many rules do you think we're going to learn about with Detroit this year? Because like Detroit, Detroit is like the Chargers in uh, the fact that they basically play every game down to the wire. Um, it's honestly shocking to me that it's taken us this long to learn that that rule exists because of the Detroit Lions. But the ten-second runoff rule. Yeah, the 10-second runoff, like, people were freaking out. They're like, wait, when did this change? When did, you know, like, all sorts of stuff. Like, I feel like we're going to learn every single Jeff Fisher competition committee rule through the, the uh, Detroit Lions this year. Yeah, that was just a really weird end to that game. And like I said, the, the Falcons, they tried their hardest to lose that game. Uh, and they got it down to a point, like, right before that play where it was first and 30, and uh, they had a – Desmond Trufant hold, wipe out a game-clinching Robert Alford interception in the end zone, uh, and then they got it down to uh, first and goal from the one, and Detroit failed three times, and then they got the game-ending play. I think it was on fourth and one, so that was just a bizarre game, and I just want to continue my vendetta against a first, a five-yard defensive holding penalty should not be an automatic first down. Like, on what planet does first and 30 become first and 10 because of a five-yard penalty. It, it doesn't make sense. And you guys are rewarding these 
awful offenses for playing you know, patty cake football. And I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with this, but it's just frustrating to see. How, how is a five-yard penalty worth 25 yards in the first down? I'm, I'm not sure, but I do know that uh, the one thing that I want is, like, you know how they go to the sideline, the little uh, whoever holds the tablet for Microsoft because they gave money and, like, invades invades uh, NFL time that they could use, like, breaking down games and stuff like that. Um, I want to be the uh, I want to be the New York equivalent of, like, the guy that they go to for, like, pass interferences because there are certainly some pass interference calls that are, like, that ball was nowhere near the target. You know what I mean? And it's like, we're just not going to bail out horrible quarterbacks because of a de- defensive pass interference call. So I, I want to be the judgment call on should we bail this quarterback out for DPI or not. Yeah, if it's, if it's all the way across the field and, like, that quarterback, <laughs> yeah. if, if he wasn't even looking at that side of the field, who cares? Like, tackle him for all I care. Um, yeah. <laughs> but let's move on to the Browns at the Colts. The Browns were, for some god ungodly reason, uh, road favorites, even though they've won one game in their last 20 attempts, uh, and that was at home against the Chargers, who were just doing satanic rituals at the end of last season, getting nine sacks in the game and still losing. Uh, I don't know how. But uh, Jacoby Brissett played well. He looks like somebody that the Colts might be able to ship off for a day-two pick this next offseason, uh, just based off the last two games. And uh, the Browns continue to struggle on offense. Uh, Hugh Jackson is making Kaiser play on all Madden by giving him deep drops. <laughs> really, by using three offensive linemen and throwing a fucking nine route and yeah, all things was, of that nature. Yeah, they're using that Emory Henry uh, formation and throwing nine routes off of it. Like you, you literally have three offensive linemen into block. Why? <laughs> like I, I don't. I, I don't think I've ever seen a team run anything but a screen out of that out of that formation, and then. Like, it's screen and inside zone. Like yeah. it's literally a numbers game, so you can run inside zone in yeah. open space. And yeah. I'm like, they're throwing through like switch verticals nine route. And I was like, what the fuck? Is like, I've never oh seen anything God. like that before. But uh, yeah, that that offense is just it, it, they're making it super duper hard on Kaiser right now. They can't. They can't. I, I, you think they're struggling run blocking right now? I think they're struggling overall, honestly. Well, I don't know if it's run blocking so much. Um, I will say the Isaiah Crowell bandwagon has, like, we are in the gutter right now. Like, we have crashed. Uh, our wagon is on fire. There's a couple people have dysentery. It's, it's not a good situation. Um, Duke Johnson looks like the clear best running back in that uh, that team, but it, they're just not giving him the touches. And, I mean, I think what it was at week one, he lined up in the slot every single play that he was on the field at least. So, like, I'm not even sure if they consider him a true running back, but he, he, ripped, he ripped off a long run, I think. It's either this week or last week. I can't remember. I watched the passing plays for uh, the Browns this week because Derek Clawson told me to go watch Kaiser, and he was like, those numbers are fraudulent. I was like, what do you mean those numbers are fraudulent? They look pretty horrible. Uh, one of the interceptions was literally thrown into the like right into the numbers of one of his players, and he tipped it up, and the other one was on Hail Mary. One of them was bad, the one in the red zone. Kaiser obviously has to get better in the red zone. Um, and the funny thing was like, that's where he thrived in college was the red zone, and it was between the 20s that really got him in trouble. Um, but watching that game, I mean, you need multiple hands to count how many drops they had on third downs, uh, when they were in in enemy territory or on big plays, like literally like there were like multiple deep balls, like deep ball dimes that were just full on dropped. Like, uh, what's the name? Ricardo Lewis and Kenny Britt. Those guys are just like, like they owe Kaiser a tremendous amount of money. If you know, the Browns end up drafting, I guess Josh Rosen, 
uh, in the first round next year because they don't like Deshaun or, uh, Deshaun Kaiser's stats. They own a tremendous amount of money. Like Ricardo Lewis shouldn't be on an NFL team right now. Yeah, and I mean, if you just look at where the or, or where Kaiser look where 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 Kaiser's numbers are for third down uh, passing. He and Philip Rivers, they're they're playing like some different type of sport over here. Uh, <laughs> Philip Rivers is uh, he has a twenty point seven passer rating on third down, fourteen uh, completions, twenty eight attempts, one hundred eleven yards, three interceptions. Kaiser's eight for twenty two, one hundred seventeen yards, two picks. Like I, I, I don't understand how, like how they're that bad to start the season. Like that, I mean, that's dude, just- it, like you literally can like every single time they got in enemy territory, they had a drop. Like every third down, they had a drop. Like I. I Took a bunch of gifts of it, so my account is getting my Twitter account is getting get suspended soon. Uh, but you can just my handle is Jumosk J U M O S Q and look up Kaiser, and you, you could see just all the just disgusting drops that were, that were had in that game, and you could catch that nine route. Yeah, and, and we talk about if you just threw a pass into the dirt, your passer rating would be thirty nine point six. So that's how efficient the the Chargers and the Browns have been on third down. 20.7 for the Chargers, 16.7 for the Browns. You might as well just kick a field goal every time or punt the ball on third down. Uh, but we can move on to the next game, which was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Minnesota Vikings. I actually have not seen much of this game, but uh, Dalvin Cook went off again, and the Bucks. I, I, I still stand by our offseason take that they're just fraudulent as hell. Yep. I, we had this conversation earlier. Um, basically, if you look at the numbers – uh, the only teams that are more than 10% uh, better than any of the other competition in terms of win percentage when you wait uh, 2017 and 2016 um, are the Atlanta Falcons and the Kansas City Chiefs. And my question was, do we think that the Atlanta Falcons have, clearly are you know, going to be the winners in the NFC in at the uh, NFC South? And you were like, yep. And I was like, I really don't want to argue this. Like, it's kind of, yeah, I mean, I don't think Tampa's going to do it. Um We'll talk about Carolina later. Uh, New Orleans already, you know, started the year off 0-2. Um, I really didn't watch this Buccaneers-Minnesota game. It wasn't on red zone much, and uh, I haven't gone back and seen it. The one thing that I do know is Jameis Winston is a, a turnover machine. Yeah, and last week I told people that you might kind of want, you might just want to throw out whatever happened in that Bears-Bucks game because, remember, it was the Bucks' first game of the season. The Bears, they were traveling down to Florida where that – climate difference is huge especially during the summer and you know it, it, was just, it just looked like one of those games where the bears weren't prepared and they were gassed really early on tampa bay just kind of did whatever they want and i think week two you got a little bit of a better representation of what the bucks are they're a team that has talent but they just turn the ball over way too much for their own good yes sir all right so uh we're going to the houston deshaun watson's at the new england patriots <laughs> the patriots won 36 33 uh, on a, just an absurd throw by Tom Brady to ice that game to Brandon Cooks. Uh, did you see that throw that he had? I did. Like, I did indeed. Cross field with Jadavion Clowney in his face, un, like unimpeded, and he just threw a dime into the corner of the end zone uh, to Brandon Cooks. Brady still got it, but that was that was actually a really fun game to watch in, in a weekend of a lot of fun games. Deshaun Watson... Even though you know the Patriots' pass defense does suck, but it was nice to see him kind of take advantage of that and play well. Uh, besides that horrific pick he threw to Stephon Gilmore, so I think the the Texans 
they probably still are a bad offense moving through the rest of the year, but they did show they have some ability to to take advantage of bad defenses. Uh, yeah, and the Patriots' defense is bad. Uh, I think so. I, it hasn't been adjusted for the Monday night game, but I don't think either of those teams have given up a huge amount of points. Um, but the New England Patriots have allowed more points than any other team in the NFL right now. At least that was correct heading into Sunday night football, I believe. Um, their pass defense is fucking horrible. Like we were telling you guys last last week uh, for the update, you know, NEA adjusted uh, defensive stats. The New England Patriots were only second to uh, the New Orleans Saints in terms of how bad their pass defense was. And the uh, Saints the Saints made up some ground while the Patriots lost a lot. I mean, they, they made uh, – that, that almost was the first time that, like, Belichick has lost to a rookie quarterback, I want to say. Yeah, um, it, it would have been the first time Belichick ever lost to a rookie quarterback in Foxborough. In like, no, in Foxborough. Yeah, and, and the other the other five games uh, that rookie quarterbacks play in Foxborough, they combined for five touchdowns and 16 interceptions. So <laughs> this, yeah, this New England pass defense is really bad. Like, they it's, they it's can't the like they can't get after anyone. They no. can't get after anyone at all. They have those two kids from Arkansas. Which are like they're fine, but they're complimentary guys. I mean, I guess Flowers is a little bit better than that, but um, I'm more yeah. I mean, Dietrich him. Dietrich Wise wasn't a starter at Arkansas. Remember that Dietrich Wise wasn't a starter at Arkansas. Yeah, he was a Shrine Game guy. He was didn't ever even get uh, an invite into the Senior Bowl, and he's basically the Patriots like second best pass rusher right now. I was kind of I'm I'm just kind of surprised that that secondary is as bad as it's been because. I they, they they're paid. <laughs> Those guys should be better than they are. It's like the Browns, where the Browns are basically uh, trusting their their offensive line, their five man protection the entire time, and they're not good enough to be playing five man protection the entire time. I wonder if like I haven't really broken down the Patriots coverage, but I wonder if that's the issue where they're just very overconfident of what their actual talent talent level is. Yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't know what's going on. I'll take a look closer when I write about Watson Football Outsiders this week, but we can move on to the Dolphins at Jets game. I'm going to be honest, I did not watch a single snap of this game. I did, and uh, you picked the Dolphins to uh, win straight up in one of your teasers, and the New York Jets that I bet on, uh, real-life money, uh, covered a six-point spread by uh, beating beating the life out of the Dolphins, basically. Um, this was a bad spot for Miami. Three straight road games, basically, to start off the year. Uh, there's they're you know back to back they they so this is what the Dolphins trip has been basically week two right or week one right hurricane happens okay week two they have to fly to Los Angeles to play the Chargers week three they have to fly to New York to play the Jets and week four they have to fly to London that's not a great spot no it's not but come on it's the Jets in the Jets the Jets the Jets are better than the Browns the Jets might be better than Texans honestly. Yeah, that's true, but still, uh, again, we have another team just playing this handicapped style of offense. Jay Culler went 26 for 44, 220 yards. I mean, you're not going to beat a lot of teams like that on the road. Averaging five yards in the attempt, you throw a pick. Uh, you got Jarvis Landry, PPR welfare queen involved again with six catches for 48 yards. It's just... God fucking damn <laughs> Someone someone had like the Larry Fitzgerald stats before he caught the touchdown, I want to say. Was there a touchdown? I don't know. There was a long play with Larry Fitzgerald, but before that, he basically was putting up PPR welfare queen stats, and it was disgusting. Yeah, I, I just don't understand how like how long can you keep feeding this guy who who's I, 
I, I don't even know if you can really call him an extension of the run game because you have, so he had six catches for 48 yards and he had a long of 15. So, I mean, that's obviously much higher than, than the other catches that he was get, getting. So if you take that out, he had five catches for 33 yards, which is about a little over six yards a catch. Not, not great. And that's not including targets either. Yeah. It's not great, man. Like, I feel like at some point we're going to realize, like, these short passes don't really mean as much as other things. It's just like when, like, people, like, mine Bitcoins and shit, and then you're like, the power output doesn't make up for the amount of uh, for the amount of money that you're making off of mining Bitcoins. And you're like, oh, I thought I was so smart. And you're like, no, Adam Gase, you're just a moron. You made horrible football for two-plus years. Yeah, and people are talking about, oh, this is going to be the year that Jay Cutler, you know, Jay Cutler and Adam Gacy are reunited. Jay Cutler is going to play. No, no, because I'm going to guess that Jay Cutler did not work out all offseason before he signed that $10 million contract. And the offensive output is looking like that so far. And then you're feeding guys like Jarvis Landry and refusing to throw the ball deep to Kenny Stills, who you just gave a bunch of money to. And you're like, I, I don't I don't get the allocate the allocation of resources they have a wide receiver with a first round pick and Devontae Parker and big money at Kenny Stills and then still force feeding Jarvis Landry like that when it looks like they have literally no intention to bring him back to the team next year. Yeah, um on the Jay Cutler thing, you gotta remember his wife's this is his wife, don't get me in trouble. His wife said that he looked like a fat lesbian this offseason. And then uh you look at the allocation of resources for the Miami Dolphins. Um they're paying like five different defensive ends and i'm not sure if we're scared of that pass rush still no it's not a good team and dolphins dolphins fans they got uh upset at us for saying it wasn't a good team in the offseason here we are you lost they oh god week one no week one they got or week week two when they played the Chargers. i had dolphins fans in because we named uh the rizzy standings which is basically it takes account of uh close games right and it's named after the special teams coordinator who said that he believes that the uh, Miami Dolphins can go 8-1 and one in close games again this year like they did last year. And that's just obviously false. But uh, they beat the Chargers, right, off of that damn field goal because uh, that chip shot field goal basically. And they like iced them and all sorts of stuff. Um, and Char- and uh, Dolphins fans were in my bench just rip-roaring, ready to go, just talking about how you know maybe Miami does have a talent at winning close games. Have you ever thought of that, huh? And I was like, what the fuck? Like you, your team was frightened, like obviously frightened to mismanage the end of that game because um, they thought they were going to lose to that. So I, I wouldn't be too confident in the Miami Dolphins moving forward. Yeah, Giants at Eagles. The Eagles won on a 61-yard field goal by Jake Elliott. Yeah, Jake this Elliott. is one of the weirdest goddamn games. Jake Elliott, who was a fifth-round pick of the Bengals this year that got cut and he's making 61-yard field goals for the Eagles to win the game, which kind of shows you where the Bengals are as an organization right now. First, picking a kicker in the fifth round, or even drafting one at all, and then not having him be an automatic lock to make the roster. Um, You want to know how much is going on in the NFL in Week 3? The New York Giants are 0-3 after making the playoffs, and OBJ pissed on a fire hydrant and got a penalty. And we're not talking about it at all. That's how much shit has happened in week three. Here's how here, here's how much happened in week three. Carmelo Anthony got traded from the Knicks to the Thunder to make Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony on the same team, and no one is talking about it. <laughs> um, this New York Giants Philadelphia game, uh, I told you guys to bet the under. Uh, there were seven points scored in the first half. There were forty-four points scored in the second half. Like this is one of the weirdest games. Um, you know, Buddy Ryan is looking looking up from hell and is just shaking his head. Is Buddy Ryan dead or did I kill Buddy Ryan? Uh, I don't know, but 
Um, mm, uh, not, not even yeah. just 44 points in the second half, 37 points in the fourth quarter. So really just a weird offensive outburst for them. Uh, Carson Wentz was 21 for 31, 176 yards, one touchdown. Fraud is still playing that fraudulent style of football where you throw the ball two yards down the field every time. They were actually able to run the ball a lot better than I thought they were. Wendell Smallwood had uh, 12 carries for had a, He had a long run. He had a long run. I think I think Blunt did saw it too. Yeah. Uh, Buddy Ryan is live. Okay. Yeah, breaking news. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Geno Smith tweeted, uh, we we better off having Donald Duck lead the country than this guy. He's a fraud. Uh, free Geno Smith because I'm tired of seeing Eli Manning. Yeah, Eli Manning, uh, th- 35 for 47, 366 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. Uh, he did QBR of 62 on the game. It, I, I don't really know what to make of this besides like I don't, I, what the hell happened in the fourth quarter. Uh, let's play a game of called uh, how many teams would you take in the NFC over the Giants? And I'll start with the 49ers. Or who, how many teams do you think are worse than the Giants? I'll start with the 49ers. Uh, your turn. Um, wow. That's the right answer. Are the, 49ers, <laughs> are the 49ers even, like, are they worse? How far away are they from the Giants? Uh, about 11% or something like that when you look at the, the adjusted – percentage things that i'm talking about that no one else knows um yeah I mean, yeah i mean the, the Niners. the niners are the only it, it's like the browns and then the niners and then it becomes a conversation about who the next worst teams are in the league uh, based on the last two years but yeah the giants are fucking horrible and uh guess who guess who said that so let's let's recap on the teams that i said we're gonna regress last year okay in terms of the record of nothing else um not necessarily that they were going to uh they were going to be bad teams, but that their record was going to be worse than it was last year. I think it was the Dallas Cowboys. I think it's fair to say that, right? They're not going to go 13-3 and again. Right, yeah. Um, it was the New York Giants, who, I mean, pretty obvious at this point, right? Looked terrible. The Bengals? Uh, uh, no, the Bengals wasn't a, a oh, okay. regression thing. That was just fucking free agents just hemorrhaging out of there. Um, the Oakland Raiders, who like, we'll get into the Oakland Raiders, but like, they might not be fucking with Derek Carr too much. Like, that, that might be a locker room thing. Um, who else was it? Uh, the Dolphins, obviously, and we got a lot of blowback for that. And then the Texans, obviously, we got a lot of blowback for that because how can that team not get better if they got JJ Watt and Deshaun Watson? Like, they didn't have the the second luckiest uh, close game record behind the Oakland Raiders last year. Oh. Excuse me. Uh... Yeah, so mm. we're right. We're batting a thousand. Yeah, and uh, I think the Lions were one of those teams too, which which is TBD as of now. But let's talk about the Saints. They got they got they got better. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so the Saints at the Panthers. The Saints somehow won thirty four to thirteen. Cam Newton looks dead. That entire Panthers offense looks just atrocious outside of them using Christian McCaffrey more as a slot receiver yesterday. Uh, Cameron Newton had, he was 17 for 26, 167 yards, three interceptions. He had a QBR of 7.2 to end the game. And he, he just kind of took them out of that game. Uh, they had one of the interceptions was a drop by, uh, I want to say Devin Funches or Kelvin Benjamin, one of those tall, slow guys. And, uh, it was just a really, really ugly game. I think it's Funches because I think Benjamin is out now. Kelvin Benjamin had so, two catches for eight yards yesterday. So, 
I think I believe he is hurt. I believe he is not coming back anytime soon. So that offense now runs through Devin Funches. Um, yeah, they're not in a good place. I think we talked about it this this offseason. Um, we both like Christian McCaffrey, and I think we both did not like the fit in Carolina. I know a lot of people were excited about, you know, adding that that Darren Sproles type of guy. Um, but in that specific offense, that that it, it was a very drastic shift off of what they were trying to do, where they were basically a heavy protection team that threw deep. And then they wanted to go basically rely on five offensive linemen in islands and run Texas routes with uh, Christian McCaffrey. And that has not turned out well um, when, you know, Matt Matt Khalil is getting the shit just kicked out of him every single week, every single week. Who could have seen that coming as if that wasn't the case since his rookie year? Yeah, I don't dude. I don't know. It's very weird. And we thought this was. Yeah, we thought uh, we thought this was going to be a get-right game for Cam Newton. It ended up being a get-right game for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they play the New England Patriots next week, who now have the worst pass defense in football. Um, if, Carol, if Cam can't get it figured out by then, uh, that's a very real issue. Yeah, how much better is this team looking if they didn't sign Matt Khalil, they take Garrett Bowles at 8, Dalvin Cook at 40, and then take Telemotin again at 64? That that would look like a real a real if nothing else I mean they would be able to they would be able to play that island offensive tackle style football that they want to do I mean it's very similar that what their issue is right now is very similar to the New York Giants because the New York Giants I, Mike Mike Lombardi's talked about this too even um, where the New York Giants basically just take Green Bay's five man protection stuff and they're like yeah we're gonna do this except for they don't have David Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga and they didn't have. You know, TJ Lane, Josh Sinton, JC Treader, and Corey Lindsley on the inside. Um, and you can't, like, that's a thing where, like, you have to play to talent. It's almost like cover three football, where it's like, yeah, uh, we're dropping, what is it? We're dropping seven, but, like, the four who are going after the quarterback, they have to be great. Where it's like, the Seahawks can do that because they're amazing on the defensive line. Uh, Jacksonville, in the past couple of years, up until this year, hasn't been able to do that. It's why Atlanta invested so much on their defensive line. Uh, things like that. Like Carolina, if they want to be that type of team, you have to hit on offensive linemen, and they're shit awful at booking right now. Yep. Uh, and Cam Newton is probably going to die. They wasted one of the great quarterback talents of our generation. Salute. Speaking of quarterbacks dying, Seattle. Seattle, yes. Uh, we can get back to our changing of the guard uh, discussion we were going <laughs> to have earlier. Seattle looks legit horrible right now. Uh I, I don't know what they really do well as an offense. Like you look at the final score or the final box score, you have Russell Wilson with 373 yards and four touchdowns, but I, I don't think that was indicative of his, of how well he actually played. The, the dude just getting slaughtered back there in the pocket. Uh, the, the Titans, they only finished with one sack on the day uh, from Eric Walden, but they had 10 quarterback hits, uh, three from Brian Arakpo, one from Derek Morgan, two from Jarrell Casey. So it, he was getting bad. The usual names. Yeah, the usual, usual names. names. Where uh, there's a video of there's a video of the Seahawks cutting with five people and none of their linemen got anyone on the ground and like Russell yeah. Wilson fumbled the ball at the same time. Yeah, so that's kind of where this offense is right now. Uh, the Titans' offensive line was absolutely stellar. I think our pal PFF Mike tweeted out that they only gave up two pressures on 36 dropbacks or 32 dropbacks on Sunday which is fantastic. They didn't allow a sack, which was kind of amazing because that Seattle defensive line has been eating so far. DeMarco Murray and Derek Kearney both had big days on the ground. 
I, I don't know where Seattle goes from here because the defense should be able to keep them in games right now. And they just got slaughtered by the Titans offense. And then you look at what happened last week with the Seahawks and they struggled to put points on the 49ers at home. And then you look at what the Seahawks, what the 49ers did to the Rams at home just four days later and they gave up 49, 41 points to the Rams. So I don't know what the Seahawks do from here, but this doesn't feel like their usual thing where they stumble out the gates and then kind of get it figured out. This feels like a legit bad team right now. Yeah. And we were talking about uh, heading into this game because we had a parlay on this. Uh, Seattle plus nine that the Seahawks like the stumbling out of the gates thing is very real but what happened was they would lose close games uh, getting blown out is something Seattle has never done I think since 2011 it's happened twice uh, that they've lost by 10 or more points um, under Pete Carroll and uh, that happened again this week so to say that like the start of this season doesn't seem like the other starts of the year where they're losing on field goals basically um, that's absolutely correct uh, Richard Sherman Marcus Mariota out of bounds and was not about the Taylor LeWan life. And uh, if it wasn't called back, Dory Jackson's uh, return would have been the longest play in this game, which would have been, you know, it would have been three weeks in a row that Dory Jackson returns um, would have been the longest plays in, in uh, Tennessee Titans games, which is kind of amazing, honestly. Like, he's, he's a legitimate difference maker for Tennessee, and I didn't necessarily see that from a smaller cornerback. Yeah, that, that Titans team... It's going to be interesting to see how Jacksonville and Tennessee kind of battle back and forth with the AFC South because those, I think those teams have kind of clearly separated themselves from uh, Houston and Indianapolis so far. Yeah, I mean, well, it settled down. I mean, Indianapolis has the best two quarterbacks in the division, right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Jacoby Brissett, future New York Jet. Future, future Cleveland Brown, Jacoby Brissett. Hmm. Might be an upgrade. Uh, but let's move on to the future Bears. Los Angeles Charger, Jacoby, Jacoby Brissett. Brissett. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll touch on the death of Phillip Rivers in a second, but let's talk about this Bengals at Green Bay game. Green Bay won in overtime uh, against the Bengals. They had a, well, what was it, like a, a free play at the end in overtime where Aaron Rodgers got them off sides and then just threw a bullet down the field to Geronimo Allison, which got them in field goal range to end the game. But uh, I don't, what, do we, what do we make of the Bengals on this one? Because I wasn't really expecting it to be that close. Oh, I mean, it was just Carl Lawson just beating the shit out of backup offensive tackles. Like, that, that, that frankly, was amazing. Um, other than that, I mean, the Packers were out, I think, at different points in the game. They were basically out, like, their, the, of their top, like, eight paid players. Uh, like, there was a point where six of them were out of the game. So, it left, like, Clay Matthews and Aaron Rodgers. You know, Clay Matthews and Wash. Aaron Rodgers threw a touchdown for the other team. So the fact that they won this game at all was pretty amazing. Um, the only good thing that came out of this was the uh, the Aaron Rodgers uh, clip of him looking to the sideline and saying "stupid fucking call." And I understand that it was about uh, you know it was a, a referee mishandling a mishandling a play, um, but in in my heart he was saying that to Mike McCarthy, just directly to to his face. Yeah, the the the, the Bengals offense kind of had a, a get right game. And a get-right game for the Bengals' offense is just throwing. They scored, like, 17 points. Yeah, but it, it's just... And, like, seven of those came off an interception. Yeah, it's true. But I think a get-right game for the Bengals' offense is just feed A.J. Green. And they did. Uh, Ten catches, 111 yards, one touchdown. Weird he how you... Didn't get 100, he didn't get 200 receiving yards, like ESPN said. <laughs> Weird how your uh, your offense looks better when you give the ball to your best player. 
Shocking. Legitimately shocking. Um, I wanted to say one more thing. Oh, Josh Jones. Uh, he's a player. Everyone who tweeted bad things about Josh Jones, uh, delete your accounts or delete your tweets at least because he's he defensive rookie of the year. Like he, he might be that level. He he's the most influential defensive back or maybe even defender uh, that the Packers have had since like Seawood and you know off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's move on to the Chiefs at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chiefs won twenty four to ten. There was a classic, classic Gus Bradley play where uh, he had, I think it was, I don't remember who, no, I don't remember who number fifty is, but they had a linebacker running down the seam with Tyreek Hill, which is obviously a long touchdown pass for the Chiefs because what linebacker can run with Tyreek Hill? Most defensive backs can't. So th- th- this defense is really being horribly coached right now. Philip Rivers is imploding. He had three interceptions in the first half. Uh, it's just you know more more Chargers stuff like usual where they they just they're you can see that they're talented but they just never can ever play it together. Uh yeah, I mean bad news bolts they're on three and uh, Mark Spears really good. Um other than that I don't really know what to say. I mean yeah Kareem Hunt really good. Uh Kareem Hunt MVP. I mean he's got to be up there right now. Right I, I right now. Yeah, unless Deshaun Watson does 13 more games he had against the Patriots, Kareem Hunt should walk away with this uh, Rookie of the Year award. He's currently averaging 8.5 yards per carry. He's on pace for uh, 2,131 yard, 2,139 yards, 21 touchdowns on 251 attempts. He's on pace for 48 catches for 731 yards and 11 touchdowns. So, I mean... It, if he were able to comp- or even just stay on track for those, like let's just say he, he finishes the season with 1,800 yards and 600 receiving yards, like that's one of the better seasons in NFL history. Yep. Um, let's talk about this Oakland-Washington game because a lot of shit happened in it. Yeah. The, it looked like at the start of the game, so, you know, the Raiders, they decided to – all Neil as a team, I think, and then a few, uh, a few guys stood up, and including Derek Carr. And there is this gif that I watched like a hundred times of Derek Carr giving a play, get, calling a play in the huddle, and nobody. He he was literally the only one that clapped, and then everyone turned away. And I think Lee Smith, the tight end, walked in front of his face as he was calling the play. So I, I don't know how much to to dig into that, but it looks like. They weren't too happy with the the shenanigans he had pulled pregame. Yeah, um, that happened. Uh, we got all sorts of stats on like Derek Carr, basically like against good teams uh, when the bright lights come on. Now, um, I, I, he's one. He's like two and thirty eight or something against five hundred uh, against teams that are over five hundred. Which, good God, fucking Stafford numbers. And then uh, when when he's playing in prime time. His passing stats, like in terms of efficiency, you know, in the six games that he's played, um, they're worse than Brock Osweiler's. Not not Brock Osweiler in primetime, like Brock Osweiler in Houston last year that got benched for Tom Savage. So, I mean, I don't know, big big lights for Fresno State, Derek Carr, and, you know, going against good teams, you know, turn, turns him around, which, I mean, if you look at his last year at uh, Fresno State where they're putting numbers on everyone and then, you know, he, he blows it against USC. Um, I wonder if that's like a legitimate issue or not. 
Yeah, I'm not really sure what happened to the Raiders' offense in that game. Uh, I only watched the first half, but I I, I saw that Chris Thompson had a 74 yard screen. Uh, it looked like they're like it looked like Washington was throwing a lot of screens in that game, but for like the intermediate and deep passes I did see from Kirk Cousins, he, he looked pretty good. So I, I I'm still not really buying either of the either of these teams, but that was a really no. really embarrassing performance for Derek Carr in prime time. I think we can yeah. – I mean, so this was the thing about the Raiders fans, right? The Raiders fans came in talking about three or 2-0 and and how they're at the top of the division uh, in the AFC West. But they were – you know, if you were tied – you're tied for first, but you're also tied for third. You know what I mean? And now the Kansas City Chiefs have separated themselves. So um, I, I think it's safe to say that the Chiefs are the cream of the crop in that division, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, yeah, pretty easily. It, it was really a really – uncharacteristically bad performance from Oakland's offensive line. They allowed nine tackles for loss and four sacks. Uh, They're going to be no Preston Smith and Ryan Kerrigan were just rip-roaring, man. Yeah, six quarterback hits. I I, I, I think for that unit in particular, it was kind of an aberration. Uh, you probably won't see too much more like that moving forward. But yeah, Derek Carr has to get better in primetime. And uh, the last game of the week, the Dallas Cowboys beating the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona 28-17. Uh, Dak Prescott is legit, 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 legit. We can kind of stop that narrative now that he's just uh, a one-trick pony or whatever you guys were saying about him. He he's a real deal. And Zeke, he was he he looks out of shape, man. Like I remember that that one that one run he had in the first half where he got up the seam into the middle of the defense. And last year that call that run is going to to the house for a touchdown. But this year he's like actively looking to try to get out of bounds before somebody tackles him. He doesn't look as explosive as last year, but when you got a quarterback like Dak Prescott who can handle the load, it doesn't matter too much. Yeah, I saw it. He threw that dime to Butler uh, in down the sideline, I want to say. And then, man, that, that Tyron Matthew play. Like, how many times did that have to come back before you were like, yes, this is absolutely what I know about it? Um, the play where I can't remember who caught the damn ball, but someone caught the ball. It might have been Terrence Williams. Um, caught the ball, and then, like, Tyra Matthew, like, barely tapped him while he was down, and it looked like he just, you know, just let him go, basically. I had to watch that replay, like, six times before I, like, knew, okay, yes, he did touch him. Yeah, and on the defensive side for the Cowboys, Demarcus Lawrence is on pace for 37 sacks in the season. Uh... <laughs> I wrote about him last week. I did a very – we did a very good call. Um, he's a prodigy pass rusher. He was a guy who – I think got eight sacks his sophomore year coming out of uh, coming out of Boise State, um, and then he had a suspension last year. And suspension years, this is what I wrote about it. The suspension years are kind of weird because, like, even if you look at like Bruce Irvin's suspension year coming out, um, obviously he got moved to linebacker, but uh, he he was great. He had like eight sacks his 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 uh, rookie year. Bruce Irvin did, and he hasn't been able to reproduce that basically since his suspension. Um, but like Von Miller, when he came back from suspension too, like just coming off of suspensions are very weird for pass rushers for whatever reason. And uh, Demarcus Lawrence had a huge drop off in terms of sacks, and it's come right back up. But he was a guy who was young and had production. Um, no, not not producing in a suspension year shouldn't have dissuaded people off of him. Uh, I'm kind of mad that I didn't talk about him more uh, last year and this year or this offseason, honestly. But I mean. We're we're still there. I mean, he he's he's great. He's legitimate too. He's not like, 
like Eric Walden, who like got like 11 sacks or something last year, and like you scratch your head trying to figure out how exactly that happened. Um, he's legitimate. He's like the Lorenzo Alexander type of guy, where it's like, okay, yeah, he deserves the sacks that he's getting. Yep. Uh, yeah, he, he's he's beast in the supplies here. Uh, what do you make? Of, did you, how much of that game did you watch last night? Uh, I watched. I came in in the third quarter, I think. Yeah, Carson Palmer actually looked pretty decent last night. Um, That's what people were saying. Someone said who who pumped the juice in his arm is what someone said. And then I watched him in the fourth quarter, and he was fucking up on every single outside throw. So Yeah, it, it was really weird because he was, like, being elusive in the pocket and making plays with his legs and throwing on the run. I, I didn't recognize who I was watching. Did he have good throws on the outside? Because that's my thing that I worry about him. He's totally fine throwing down the pipe. It's throwing outside that he's just struggling every single week now. Uh, I don't remember exactly, but I was just really impressed with, with the way that he was moving the pocket because he's usually just a statue in there and, and just takes mad sacks, which, he, I mean, he did take a lot of sacks yesterday, but that was more due to his offensive line just getting whipped in the ass by DeMarcus Lawrence than anything that he was doing. But... All right, uh, let's talk about something real quick. Uh, contenders for divisional titles right now. This this We'll do this real quick. Uh, AFC East, who do you... Th- let's just go... AFC East, who do you think is going to be there? Uh, Patriots. All right. AFC North. Mm, this one's tough, but I, 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 I still lean Steelers. Agree. Strong agree. Uh, AFC West. Chiefs. Yep. AFC South. Titans. Okay. Uh, a, uh, NFC East. NFC East. Uh, I'm going to stick with the Eagles. All right. Uh, NFC North. NFC North, uh, man, I, I still think you can flip a coin with the Packers and the Vikings, but I think I'll, I'll lean the Packers with just, I'll just, I'll side with Aaron Rodgers on that one. Yeah, because I think we're going to get some Lions regression, right? Yeah. And I think Case Keenum isn't going to do that every fucking week. And I don't know when Sam Bradford's coming back. So I guess lean Green Bay, but I think, you know, of the performances early on this year, I think the Packers are strong third in, you know, the NFC North right now. Um, but again, regression and Packers banged up all sorts of stuff. Uh, NFC West. NFC West. Um, mm, I, I, I kind of like the Rams to get it done. Like, right. They just look. look they, listen. They clearly look like the best team in that division right now. Yep. You can convince me if they do it one more time. I just need the Seahawks to stumble one more time and the Rams to you know look good one more time and then I'm all in. Yeah, the Rams. They uh. They go to Dallas next weekend, so that that's going to be an interesting game for for both teams. Really. Yeah, I think Dallas is like a fucking nine point favorite or something in that. I think I saw that earlier. I haven't done enough research for our gambling stuff, but um, might probably take the Rams in that one. Yeah, I see Dallas as a seven point five favorite uh, at home against the Rams, which it's a bit much. And the Seahawks next week they play. Uh, they play the Colts uh, next Sunday. Oh my God, that's a Sunday night game. Good God, uh, they play the Colts. Uh, who has the worst quarterback in that game? I don't know, but I definitely know the Colts have a better offensive <laughs> line, and they might have better skill talent too. Uh, they might. Yeah, I mean their defensive line is looking really good right now too. Uh, I got a lot of crap because I was saying Colts. Colts def- our like line of scrimmage unit was the best unit in the game for that Rams game. Uh, in week one, that came and bit me in the ass. But they're actually doing really good against stopping the run. Um, the teams that are playing in 
Oh no, we don't have a London game in a couple weeks. Never mind. I was trying to figure out who's gonna have the weird down game because we had we. I mean, obviously the Dolphins had it um, this past week. Uh, I think the Jags had it the week before. Um, the 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 uh, we're gonna have a weird game before we travel to London thing is like a very real thing. Yeah. So hopefully this next week of NFL action won't be as as fun as the next one. I'm sure we'll get into some of the shenanigans that happened this past weekend, uh, this week on our Friday interview. Um, but yeah, that'll, that'll conclude episode 50 of Seven the Eyes. We'll be back tomorrow with our gambling picks for week four. Uh, thanks for rocking with us through 50 episodes, and we'll be back soon. Unity.